Welcome to Taking the Pulse, a healthcare and life sciences podcast. I'm Tina Emerson. I'm here today with healthcare attorney Matthew Roberts with Nexon Pruitt. Good, Good to, to see you. Good to see you. Uh, we are being joined today by Emily Susky. She is the Deputy Associate Dean for Clinics and Externships at the University of South Carolina School of Law, where she also serves as the Clinical Director of CHAMPS, or the, the Carolina Health Advocacy Medico-Legal Partnership. I've been practicing that for a while. Also with us is Kirby Mitchell, a senior litigation attorney with South Carolina Legal Services and founder of the Medical Leadership Partnership in Greenville, which provides free legal help to low-income patients. Emily and Kirby, could you please tell us a little bit about your respective backgrounds? And welcome, Emily, you can Thank you, thank you for having me. Sure. It's great to be here. Uh, so I got my law degree, and I also got a Master of Social Work degree at the University of North Carolina, the other Carolina. And uh, then I went on, not too long after that, to a clinical teaching fellowship at Georgetown Law School. Um, and so I have an LLM from there. And then most recently before I came here to the University of South Carolina, I was at Georgia State University College of Law. And there I was also teaching in a, med a pediatric medical legal partnership, which led me ultimately to here, where I started CHAMPS. Well, thanks for being with us. Kirby, welcome from Greenville. Hey, thank you guys for the invitation. I'm Kirby Mitchell. I grew up in uh, Massachusetts, came down here when I went to Furman undergrad. Uh, I wasn't sure what to do right after Furman. So I actually was a VISTA volunteer for a year at Legal Aid in Greenville. That was kind of my introduction to Legal Aid. <clears throat> I took a little detour and I taught English for a couple years in the Czech Republic. And then I went to law school at Georgia. So I'm a law dog. You may have heard uh, they have a really good football team. Uh, I yes, think y'all may so have experienced told. that. <laughs> so I've been told. You have some recent experience in Columbia. Um, yes. But yeah, I came back to Greenville, practiced in private practice a couple years, and then have been a, a legal aid lawyer really since then. Uh, and what we mean by that is civil legal assistance, not the public defender, but mm -hmm. all kinds of civil things. And it really is exactly what the lawyers in a medical legal partnership do. Well, we are glad you guys are here today because this is very exciting for me because working in healthcare, we see a lot of legal issues for our provider clients, but we see the patients have issues too. And so having these type of resources for them is, is really, really impressive. So Emily, let's talk a little bit about the CHAMPS Clinic at the law school here at USC, how it got started and what it does. So I was hired here as a faculty member at the University of South Carolina to start this clinic. Um, so my background at Georgia State teaching in that medical, that pediatric medical legal partnership was great experience to bring here. And shortly after I started here, the dean, then dean, Rob Wilcox, introduced me to Kaufman Taylor, who's the chair of pediatrics here at Prisma Health Midlands. And Kaufman heard what I was here to do and was beyond excited, which I was excited about because it's not always that doctors are excited about lawyers being around, as True. you well know. Yes, <laughs> I know very well. And so um, that was, he was a great supporter right from the start and just sort of said, okay, what do we need to do? This is, my patients need this. Um, so we had great support from him and we just kind of got going. Betsy Bradley, who used to be an attorney for Prisma, then supported us in helping to structure the medical legal partnership. The School of Medicine was involved. Um, and now, uh, and Katie Stevenson, who yes. is also a doctor at Prisma, pediat pediatrician at Prisma, has been very involved. And so they were great and we got started, developed the medical legal partnership, which was critical to doing the clinic. Um, and the clinic 
the Medical Legal Partnership, we spent about a year developing it. It's opened in the fall of 2017 with the with the first 10 clinic students, right. first 10 law students. And I can say um, that the law students love this clinic, and it's super popular and super hard to get into. It is hard to really? get into. Oh, very. <laughs> yes. So they always, for those folks who clerk with us that are interested in healthcare, I'm like, well, you need to do this clinic. I'm like, well, I'm trying. It's hard to get into. So that's, that's good. Sounds, sounds like a fantastic program. And Kirby, tell us about the Medical Legal Partnership in Greenville. How did it get started and, and what does it do? Yeah. So a friend of mine about 2013 just introduced me to a behavioral pediatrician, Nancy Powers, here in Greenville. And she had heard about these MLPs around the country. I think at the time there were about 250 in some form or fashion in 40 states. We didn't have any in South Carolina then. And really she expressed the same frustrations that I think a lot of doctors feel. They do everything medically with what presents as a medical problem. Patient health doesn't improve. And the reason is these uh, health harming legal barriers or external social issues. And so, you know, doctors that really want to improve health, that is a serious limitation, you know, that within the four walls of the hospital. So we started talking about it. I, I got fascinated, kind of tried to learn everything I could about MLPs. Uh, we started taking some test cases. And then I had the good fortune. I went and kind of pitched the idea to then general counsel of uh, Greenville Health System, what has now become Prisma Health, uh, Ann Ellison. And, and she just kind of liked the idea. She was able to get me the two years of seed money to just say, hey, we're going to pay you to figure this out, make it happen. And we uh, fortunately, Emily came along uh, about the same time. We kind of got to know each other in 2017 or so. And what really made us was the, the Duke Endowment Grant to both of us to collaborate with these MLPs uh, in 2018. So that's kind of how we got going. And, um, you know, 1,500 cases later, it's, it's really uh, – uh, established here in the upstate. And Kirby, you alluded to this, but a lot of folks who are dealing with health issues have other issues going on at, at, as well that exacerbate their health issues. So can you both take turns describing, and Emily, we can start with you, um, how people who have a lot of need and nowhere else to go uh, end up in your clinic or in the, uh, the, the medical legal, legal partnership? Sure. So we, our partnership is Prisma Health, um, specifically the pediatric department and the University of South Carolina Schools of Law and Medicine. And so we take all of our referrals from Prisma Health pediatricians or related pediatric healthcare providers. So that means the Children's Hospital Outpatient Center, which is their essentially their pediatrician's office there, the pediatric hospital, any of the subspecialty clinics, um, whether that's developmental pediatrics, hematology, oncology, and Oh, so all of the healthcare providers who are at those sites, at, you know, who are Prisma Health pediatricians or pediatric healthcare providers can send us referrals. So we get, and how that happens, we tailor to each individual site. Um, the goal being to, as Kirby alluded to, address these ideally preventatively legal and social needs that are harming kids' health. And so we, if someone can, we train over there uh, so that the providers can identify what is a legal issue or a social issue that we could help with, and then they send us a, send send the clients our way. And they don't. Way. And they, of course, they don't pay you, but they have a re legal representative. 
Yes, because all the clients are all the clients are low income clients, um, and really what we do a lot of is poverty law because right. poverty is such a huge social determinant of health. For sure, Kirby, how about you? How does that? How's your system? Yeah, similar model. Our partners here in the Upstate are Prisma Health, uh, Legal Aid, South Carolina Legal Services, and Furman University. And I'll tell you, these families with kids with you know, diagnosed chronic conditions. Think things like cystic fibrosis, diabetes, asthma, autism, sickle cell. Sometimes the longest relationship they have with an entity is, is the doctor's office. These nurses, these social workers, you know, they see that they need therapies, they need treatment. They go regularly often for years and years and years. So it's really the ideal touch point if you're trying to have someone who they know and they trust to talk about, hey, my utilities were shut off or I got denied food stamps for no reason or my, you know, we've got domestic violence at home. So training them, like Emily referred to, training uh, the students, but also staff. Um, you know, we have a med school up here in Greenville for 10 years now, uh, not well known actually outside of Greenville, but we teach at the med school. I teach at Furman University, a medical legal partnership class. So we're trying to train sort of the future healthcare workforce. Um, and as you guys know, it isn't really a doctor that a lot of people see uh, directly as much anymore. Nurse practitioners kind of carry the load for primary care for a lot of Medicaid and Medicare eligible lower income folks. And really that's true across the income spectrum. So we train at Clemson uh, Nursing School and, and just try to have a lot of touch points where we're not teaching you how to be a lawyer. You don't need to know the law. You just need to identify a health harming civil legal need. That's kind of the mantra we, we ask them to do and then boom, we take it from there. And that's a great segue to this question. I mean, clearly there are a lot of people that are being served through these programs. Tell me about the collaboration of social workers and healthcare providers that help you identify people who have this need. So a lot of it's from that training. A lot of our referrals come from social workers. They, de I mean, we've had referrals come from administrators who are seeing folks not have their non-emergency transportation not work, right? Um, but a lot of times it's from the social workers and who at the hospital can do a lot of work for the patients in the hospital. But once they leave the patients, once the patients leave the hospital, they can do much less, right? And so that's when they want them coming to us. Um, also, they can do much less when there's a legal need that needs to be appealed. So that's a huge collaboration for us. And then once we actually have, because I have my master's in social work, um, two social work interns who work with us every year so that we can provide holistic services to these patients and clients. So it doesn't help someone that much to get out of their terrible housing conditions if that makes them homeless. Right. right. And so right. we have the, the lawyer or the law student in our program can work with the client to get them out of those terrible housing conditions. And the social worker works right in tandem with those patients and clients to get them into safe housing. What, what, what are some examples, Kirby and Emily, of the specific legal issues that are addressed? I know housing you've referenced, mm -hmm. but is there sort of a scale of what you will do and what you won't do? Well, we will never be adverse to the hospital. That's uh, in our, <laughs> that would really hurt the partnership. Right, right. Uh, we don't do criminal matters. Uh, so Kirby, just as Kirby said, we do civil matters. Um, 
And we tend, the highest number of cases we do is SSI disability cases for these kiddos. Um, they are wrongfully denied SSI, which also ends up wrongfully denying them the Medicaid that they really need. Um, we do Medicaid appeals. We do SNAP, food stamps appeals. We do housing conditions. With the eviction crisis looming, we've doing increasingly doing evictions because that's a huge Do you issue. expect a, a, a surge in that? Yes, yes, and we've been seeing it for about a year. We've been seeing a real uptick in the number of our patients who need and clients who need um, eviction defense work. Um, and we'll also do powers of attorney and healthcare powers of attorney for, for kiddos who are aging into adulthood who need some assistance making decisions, but maybe not a full guardianship. Right. Kirby, how about your program? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you an example. Just so you know, we, we tried to start carefully. We started in pediatrics, like I said, in 2016. We hit 500 cases. It took about three years. And, but then it took about a year and a half more to hit the next 500. Uh, so we got to 1,000. And then just last summer, we had another, another 500. We got to 1,500 in a year. So you can see the demand is increasing. We tried to calibrate our services to what we could reasonably offer. Um, but expanding to geriatrics has kind of been a, a pleasant surprise for me. We started in pediatrics. That's kind of the exact model that uh, that Champs has, and it works so well. It's really where you can be super effective. But the, the geriatricians and the other doctors were like, hey, we want this service, too. And uh, I had a just one quick example. I had a 74-year-old with uh, starting to have more serious dementia, and the doctors were seeing her more sporadically missing appointments, and they knew she wasn't taking her meds as prescribed. She had a heart condition. So she would end up in the ER, which is, as you all know, really the worst thing for expense, for for care, right, for a 74-year-old, particularly who was living alone at the time. And so the, the, the good folks at Prisma Health kind of reached out to family and got a brother to come down from Charlotte to kind of look in on her. Well, turns out some church friends, and I'm, for those of you not watching, I'm using the air quotes, friends, had sort of really started to isolate her. Unfortunately, we see this sometimes. They were taking advantage of her financially. They were misusing her medication. So they actually filed in her name an eviction uh, against the brother who came down. So our law firm was able to, you know, legal aid was able to, number one, stop and get that eviction dismissed. We were able to then revoke these sort of uh, fraudulent power of attorney documents and other things. We were able to get her out of a consumer type case, get her out of some really uh, ridiculous uh, telephone and cell phone contracts that they had entered her into. We were able to file a petition for guardianship in the Greenville County Probate Court and get this brother who now moved down here to Greenville to care for her, get him appointed. So uh, and really through that, able to get her into what's called the PACE program, sort of a, uh, an excellent Medicaid, Medicare um, managed care program um, that now she's socializing, seeing doctors regularly, taking meds. It's sort of like adult daycare, um, still has dementia, still has a difficult to manage situation, but living on, you know, living in the community and really, you know, her brother's able to look after her. It's just a great success story that you can see the, the multiple touches where you need a lawyer uh, to really improve health and security and safety. And that's just one example where we were able to do that. 
Emily, how about an example from your program? I know you've got a bunch that you could share. I do. I, Kirby's makes me think of the way other end of the age spectrum. Uh, one of our early cases in CHAMPS was with a baby from the NICU. Uh, she'd been in the NICU for about six months and got referred by a special care pediatrician because she came out of the NICU with about 70, 75 hours of private nursing care at home paid for by Medicaid. And within about a few months, that nursing care was cut by 25, 30 hours for no reason that was apparent. And this is a baby who needs 24-hour care. She went home on a respirator. She had a G-tube. Not to mention her mother had an autoimmune disease that had been in remission until those hours got cut. So everybody's health care was going awry when those hours got cut. So we worked with the doctors at Prisma, the pediatricians, to get um, to do the Medicaid appeal um, to get those hours back in place that she needed. The doctor wrote an affidavit that stated this is what she needs, and that's the standard. Babies get what they need under Medicaid. And uh, we got the hours restored in a settlement in a way that would prevent Medicaid from ever taking them away again in that same way. Do we got doctor approval from her own pediatricians before. So improved baby's health. So baby's not, as Kirby said, go into the hospital because she doesn't, in the ER, because she doesn't have the care she needs, and mom's health improved too. So we're saving you know, saving healthcare costs all around. Right. And that's really meaningful and life-changing work for people. When you work with law students, what is their perspective when they see the kind of work that they could be doing down the road? And how does that change the perspective of, of their career and what they aspire to be? I think the first thing for them is that they don't always understand how poverty impacts health. And they don't understand how it impacts the healthcare system. So what's fabulous about our collaboration and the work we do is that they can see that in a way that me talking or even Matthew telling them would go, they'd be like, mm, maybe, right? But when they have a doctor telling them, I can't move, put a patient from the, who needs to be in the hospital from the ER, move her into the hospital because I have a patient who can't leave the hospital because of their poor housing conditions. Otherwise, they're ready to go, right? And so when they hear that from a doctor or they have a grandma who's struggling to make ends meet, who they've developed a relationship with because SNAP's been wrongfully denied, then it completely changes their perspective on who needs public benefits, how it improves health, and it changes their career trajectory in the sense that some of them do go on to work with Kirby at Legal Services and his MLP. We just hired our second attorney in CHAMP so we can do a higher volume legal services and provide more services to more patients around the state. And she was one of my students a few years ago. Wow. When I talk to the folks who participate in your program, one of the consistent themes is, and it, I feel like a real lawyer when I do this work, but that could frankly happen to, you know, you could be a third or fourth year lawyer, a real lawyer, and not have the impact on people's lives and what you're doing. So I think it's, um, I think it's really rewarding for those who participate. It's, and, and more than just the education aspect of it. Oh, it's wonderful to see their eyes open in that way. I mean, cl any clinic is where the rubber meets the road, yeah, right? And they're starting it. to really do lawyer work. Like, no, no, you go call a client. Yes, <laughs> right? yeah. It's not me. That's, yeah, that's your client. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your client. You go do that work. Um, and so it's it's a little, you know, they it, you see them as you help them do that work, even as they make mistakes, which they sure. do, right? First, second, oh. third, fourth year, 20-year yes. lawyers make yes. mistakes. sure. That's where the learning happens, right? right? That it's okay, but we have to fix it and you have to be, right? All There's just a wealth of learning. And, and Kirby, how do you employ the pro bono lawyers with your program to get involved? Yeah, it's been great, actually. Here in Greenville, we've got a pretty generous local bar who, uh, they have skills that 
we at Legal Aid don't necessarily uh, have. For example, some folks need a special needs trust, and that's not something we routinely do here at, at Legal Aid, but we have attorneys who volunteer and help with that. We have um, just several who will tell me, listen, anytime you need something that you can't handle, um, we're here for you. There's also restrictions when you work at Legal Aid, like I do, uh, funded through Congress, the Legal Services Corporation. Uh, we don't help, for example, undocumented folks. Uh, but of course, Prisma Health sees a lot of patients who are in that status. And so that's what we tend to use pro bono volunteers and others for the things that we can't do, um, either through capacity or just the regulations that govern legal aid. Well, this is really important work that you're doing. Thank you both very much for being with us today. And, and also, and mostly, thank you for everything that you've been, you've been doing in the community and, and helping other lawyers follow in your footsteps as well. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having us. We'll see you next time on Taking the Pulse.